Hello, and welcome to the First Issue Club comic book podcast. We're your weekly reading club for what? First Issues, babe. It's in the title. Get with the times. Open your eyes. Read. See what's in front of your face. Look at your phone before you tippity tappity. Okay. All right. Now that we're <laughs> Dennis all... Miller, <laughs> I kind of all right, all right, babe, babe. As soon as I said babe, I think I slipped into Miller mode. What what we in my house call Miller mode. <laughs> Miller mode. <laughs> I'm Mike D. I'm Greg, and I am Vargas. And together, three we make the first issue club. Want to be clear for any new uh, listeners. Miller mode isn't a normal thing that happens on here. I do not like Dennis Miller. Not a hero of mine. No. Uh, just something that happened organically and uh, and he's regret- easy and regrettably easy to parody. He has that cadence where you're just like, yeah, you could really just like uh, riff on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the funny the Andrew Dice Clay is the hickory dickory doc guy, but I also yeah. feel like Dennis Miller when I think of him, my mind goes to yeah. But he's usually like spouting off like political current event nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen uh I don't know why you would, but do either of you follow Andrew Dice Clay on social media? No. I I would have assumed he had been banned from all of it. <laughs> Right. He does this thing now where he sees people like recording their like videos for, you know, TikTok or Instagram stories or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he walks up to him and is like, it's me. I saw you notice me. (laughs) I just, you know, thought I'd say, hey, I love meeting fans. That's great. Like Andrew, Andrew Clay. The dice man and like these kids are just like who what oh yeah. sorry I wasn't and he's just like no, oh no no it's okay you can tell me he's like, I get this all the time believe me it's kind of it's I love it as a bit and I don't I know will what, sign your Freddie Fairline DVD <laughs> I don't know like looking back on. Andrew Dice Clay stuff is what is what is history told us about him? Is he just like uh, confirmed a dirtbag, or is it or is he just like someone who was kind of living a like a performance art sort of like the sh- the Andy Kaufman esque shtick of it? Was well, that he was a shithead. I I don't think he's on the the in intellect level of an Andy Kaufman we're, we're style too much bit. credit to, to say that. Yeah. Um, I definitely but the, think but you, he, do you remember when he hosted SNL, there were like a, a handful of the cast members like sat out cause they were like, yeah, he's like, ant, he's like anti-feminism and all uh-huh. this stuff. And it, like, I think hat would I have been older and live during that? I would have mm-hmm. a clearer picture of like why people hate him so much. Cause I've just seen like the famous stand up clips of him just like telling dirty jokes, you know what I mean? Yeah. But if he's if he's honestly like anti feminist, then fuck that guy. I don't know. I think if he was a comic 
today, like he would come out in this generation, he would definitely be sponsored by Joe Rogan's podcast <laughs> and like be drinking Monster Energy drink. I don't know if he's had like a crisis of faith and maybe turned himself around. And sure. I've, I've seen him in stuff now. And I don't know if he's less of a uh, third rail kind of topic. But I know back in the 80s when he was at his zenith, he was definitely just like very much, um, you know, like he he would be the one saying, you know, like I'm anti-woke c- comedian. Totally. I, you know, what's funny is like he's he's a cancelable sort of person. Uh huh. And one of those those people hate the idea of cancel culture. One of the things that like. Now I'm like, don't complain so much about cancel culture because if there's anything time has told us in the era of cancel culture is mm-hmm. that people get uncanceled all the time. Right. So it's not really like no one's really like actually canceled. It's like people forget after a couple years, people come back, people grow up, change and make apologies and – um, all of a sudden are back in the zeitgeist again and sure and all that's like a decent memory i saw like uh oh shoot what's his name he got banned from snl for an episode or whatever because he wasn't wearing a mask at like a party during the height of covid do you remember this guy and then he Maybe. got caught on tape saying like super racist stuff oh shane gillis no not shane gillis He's the guy, he like got the SNL gig and they fired him before he even did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, he's had like a top 10 single this past year and then was on like CBS's big New Year's Eve bash. And it's like that guy went on like a racist rant and like. (laughs) Flow writer? (laughs) The world has forgiven him. It wasn't Kanye West, was it? (laughs) It's like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not done with the cancellation of this guy, but apparently like the world at large is the same thing happened with the baby. If everyone, anyone remembers that he was canceled for a little bit. And apparently if you make a good enough single, you can be uncanceled. Oh my God. He's back again. Well, you know, people found out that he wasn't the mama. So (laughs) he was not the mama. That is is confirmed. I hate you, Andy. (laughs) I'll hit you with a frying pan. <laughs> okay. Gonna, if there's a group of people that would appreciate that, I would think somebody with a group with Greg in it would be the group. Yeah, you got it right. Morgan Whalen is the guy who I was trying to think of. I've never heard like of that guy. A country artist, right? Yeah, and he had a huge hit this year and uh, was kind of like COVID denier and then was caught on tape saying racist stuff. And SNL had him back on? No, this was after the SNL thing. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. It says in April of the one of the last, it doesn't say year here, he donated $300,000 to the Black Music Action Coalition in the names of 20 people who had counseled him following the incident. Um and then those individuals were given the option to funnel their respective $15,000 donations to a charity of their choice. So he did some counseling and threw some some money at it. And okay. know, I, I don't know. Does that absolve you of your sins, I guess, to like... Yes. <laughs> I 
podcast to most of America, it does. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Maybe he's a reformed person, but I kind of doubt it. Like, he just had enough money. Yeah. Right. Yep. Ugh, I hate it. Yeah. Uh, what's this podcast for? Uh, it's about comic talk, books. We talk about comic <laughs> books. And not about that ever again. Yeah. Uh, so, like we always do, we'll talk about some first issues we've read recently. Um, we kind of had a a wild couple weeks here. We're recording remotely just because of schedules, blizzard. I lost power here. So, we're going to see what um, issues we read that we can cobble together. I read Batman Offworld, finally. Um, which is Jason Aaron's um, Bat- Batman kind of Elseworld comic on DC that that started last month. Mm-hmm. Um, what else are we getting a taste of today? Did anyone read Spider read Ultimate Spider Man? I did. I read Ultimate Spider Man number one. That's the big and I one also this week. read the new Zorro book by Sean Gordon Murphy. All right, yeah. Vargas, you you have anything new? Uh, I talked about Vengeance in the Moon Knight a little bit on the last episode. Um, so I'm going to talk about last week's books, uh, the agent Duke, I got Skeeters and a book called Pine and Merrimack. Oh, that's by Kyle Starks, isn't it? It is friend of the show, friend of the show, Kyle Starks. I don't know if he knows it. You know what I started reading that I didn't, um, get to finish before we started recording was, uh, the bloody dozen. Have either of you read that book? Nope. Uh-uh. Oh, that's the yeah, the Shrouded College book. That's the Charles Shul- uh, uh, Charles Charles Soule, Soule right? and Raphael yeah. Albuquerque. Yeah. So I mean, big names on it, but this one kind of like I forgot this was coming. It's on Image. Yeah. It's kind of got a cover to it that's like it. It looks like a comic to be skipped over. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. some comics just have that cover where it, like this looks like that screams and- Top Cow. And a Blaze comic that you're just like, I don't have time for this. Well, um, <laughs> Hell to Pay had that same kind of thing. Yeah. That cover was like incredibly boring and the book was awesome. Yeah. So I'm interested to see more of what that comic's about. The first couple pages were intriguing. I I think it's a really interesting idea This like... Connected- Is Shrouded College a thing? Yeah, so Hell to Pay, that book about the the demon money, do you remember uh-huh. that? Yeah. That, yeah. that was the first series in this universe of books that are about the Shrouded College. Okay, I had no idea it was a connected universe. <laughs> yeah, well... So, s- Stellar Marketing, three people who have <laughs> a comic book-specific podcast, only one of us knew... Kind of what was going on. Was a connected universe. <laughs> you had to read the like letters pages in the back. Oh to, yeah, to nope. figure that out. Uh, yeah, it's but a they big are no turning thanks. that into like a movie or a TV series or something. It's been awesome. really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh so, my gosh, it's it's stuff to pick up if you're a spec. I wonder if I, they're still turning Eight Billion Genies into a TV show. God, I, I hope so. I think Amazon Prime optioned that one. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to highlight something here. This is only applicable for everyone on YouTube. I rearranged my office and now I can recline when I'm uh, recording these episodes. Look at you. 
So I'm going to be free and easy this episode and really, really be like on my island here. Good for you, Greg. Thank you. We're all we're all at different heights, so I hope that adds some dynamism. Yeah. To uh, I'm living my best the life. Viewing experience for everybody. Greg's just peeking above the threshold <laughs> of the video. <laughs> <laughs> you have the gamer slump going. Yep. Thanks for donating to my Twitch. <laughs> all right. Do we have any comic book news before we get to the aforementioned comic books? Anything top of mind, comic book world related you want to get to? I know Vargas does. The Hood is going to be the new Ghost Rider. <laughs> and you know that's a big deal because in our text thread, Mike D had to go, which one's The Hood again? <laughs> I I actually am excited about this. I like the idea of like a street level villain taking over this potentially heroic role. Um and in the last, his last few appearances, the hood has been more of a, like an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, or if this is just part of my brain thing that I have like a memory for this, but, uh, do you guys remember that Illuminati series that came out of, uh, is that secret wars? Yeah. Yes. Where, where it was like. B-level supervillains kind of doing a Thunderbolts thing. Yeah. Uh, the Hood was like the leader of that. Um, and I think it'll be, it'll be cool to see that character get some time in the spotlight again. Yeah. Well, I mean, Benjamin Percy's writing it, so that should be great. Yeah. And oh. for all of you spec people again, the Hood is rumored to be coming to the MCU soon. Yeah, it's supposed to be in the Ironheart show. Mm-hmm. Yes, is yes. what I read. Um, I always confuse the hood. His hood is red. Yes, but he's just called the hood. Correct. And I'm always in my head. I'm always like, okay, both Marvel and DC have a red hood. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> so that always throws me off. This book. Um, the reason why I think I missed this character as a whole was that he was introduced in a. Marvel Max comic, which was that like mature imprint mm-hmm. that was, ugh, it didn't last very long. Was it like 2005 through 2007 or something like that? Yeah. Um, Brian K. Vaughn wrote it, so I'm sure it's good. Um, that's around the same time he created uh, that series with the teenagers and the Raptor. Runaways. Runaways. Yeah. So he was he was hot, 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 dropping fire over at Marvel for a minute, and they gave him this book to create a new character. That was his thing. He was the new character guy during the aughts for Marvel. And, um, yeah, just completely missed it just because I was not paying attention to any of the Max books. I think I read the wrong one first, and it just seemed like a one of those things where it was like, Saying fuck a handful of times does not a good comic book make. No. (laughs) So it was like some of the books were just like, hey, dark and gritty, and that's what makes it good. And those ones sucked. Meanwhile, you had things like Alias happening, which I went back and and read all of. And now it's like that's one of my favorite Marvel series Mm -hmm. is there are a handful of Max books that were great 
didn't just use it as an opportunity for like gratuitous violence and cursing. Um, so I, d- I did it a disservice, I think, by by missing a lot of those. So it, those aren't available on Unlimited. So if you're trying to catch up on like who Hood is before Riri Williams movie uh, Iron TV Heart. show. It's a, it's a TV show, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a TV show. Yeah, before that show comes out or before the ghostwriter thing happens, um, you're out of, go to Amazon or eBay. <laughs> yes. You're not going to find it on Unlimited. Is Illuminati on there? Do you know? Illuminati is on Unlimited, yeah. There you go. Read Illuminati. It's fun. Yeah. Which is probably more of what you want anyway, which is like yeah. what, what the character has become over yeah. the last 20 years as compared to what he what he started at. So, yeah, maybe write a read a Wikipedia article for that. Um before we get too far, I did want to shout out cuz I'm drinking a Space Ooh. Camper Quantum Hop IPA. Mm-hmm. And Greg and I were lucky enough to go on the Boulevard Brewcast. Greg and I went on obviously if you've been listening to First Issue Club Club for a long time, Club. Um Space Camper was our official was the official beer of First Issue Club and lubricated us through many an episode. And they've got an Imperial IPA, um, which is you know higher ABV but just as crisp and and easy to drink. Mm-hmm. And so thanks to those guys for getting us some of these beers before they hit the street. That's always a treat to try something new. And the extra alcohol in here inspired my. Dennis Miller impression, so you can thank them for that. <laughs> it truly is Miller time. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it actually was great because we got to talk to Adam, who's been our friend for for yeah, five he's on, five years. Been on First Issue Club a couple of times. Yeah, we got to hijack their show to talk about comic books and and uh, you know the science of beer. So it was really great. So you know, thanks for having us on the show. Go find some Space Camper in your local. A uh, grocer or liquor store. Ta-da! Hell yeah, good pitch. Yeah, that one's on, that one's on the house. That one's free. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the beers, Boulevard. We'll work for beer. Well, we will work for beer when we do some stuff uh, for them at Planet Comic Con this year. Oh yeah, I think we're gonna like be part of their booth activation stuff at Planet Comic Con. So. If you're yeah. around the Kansas City area or feel like making a trip, this is probably the best year ever to travel to Kansas City for Planet Comic Con because it's the 25th anniversary. Yep. So if you're the travel for a con type um, and you've never been to Kansas City, this might be a good year to to check us out. Yep. Yeah. You can stay in my basement. We're oh, go ahead. About comic books, right? So far uh, we haven't, but we're going to. Okay, I'll go first since I'm talking about stuff from two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so the first book I read is called The Agent, and it is out on Ablaze. And do you huh. remember Mike D last week when you said there's too much witch stuff? People like yeah. witches. This is witch stuff. <laughs> and it's um, it's a book about a cop who is a witch, and she doesn't know she's a witch. Uh, but she gets pulled into, like, the X-Files world of like being a witch cop. So witch cop. Yeah. Come to TBS. <laughs> Executive producer Dick Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um but she gets involved in like she she's trying to bust up like a drug sale 
and it ends up being a sale of like some kind of magical thing. Which Hazel? <laughs> yeah, something we. I have know, Newt. <laughs> I, yeah, I have Newt. They, they've got illegal Newt eyes. These cauldrons and, aren't uh, legal. <laughs> and she's got to bust it up. They had a hundred grams of I have Newt. Yeah. Uh, ma'am, you're going 35 in a 10 witch zone. <laughs> Pull your broom over. Pull the broom over, ma'am. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's a, a pretty fun book. I didn't know where it was going the whole time. I bought it um, blind. I had no idea what it was about, and I had no idea what was going on until the end of the book. Uh, but it was pretty fun. This is one that I will probably stick with for at least a few issues to see where it ends up going. Yeah. Uh, so I was pleasantly surprised. I feel about witches how I felt about zombies in 2010. Enough with it. Blase. I, yeah, there's just so much witch bullshit right now. You I'm feel about like... witches how you felt about zombies how I feel about sriracha. Like, the advertising for Sriracha is out of control. I get it. It's hot paste. This is this is bacon in the aughts. <laughs> this is stay calm and whatever. Bacon. <laughs> okay, well, I like all that stuff, so... Listen, I also like all that stuff, but I don't need a coffee mug made out of bacon. <laughs> well, I do, now that you've said it, so... <laughs> Uh, I worked at Urban Outfitters at the time, which, mm. if you're familiar, is like half of the store is like novelty trash. <laughs> and I like, love that. We had just like bacon printed on everything. There was just a few years there. It was just like bacon, 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 bacon. People <laughs> love bacon shit. Church Look at this new order slash bacon. bacon collabo. <laughs> Joy Division meets bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Strips of bacon yes. on the... Yes. <laughs> or like Black Flag and shirt. bacon. Just like yeah. the four <laughs> strips of... Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Is bacon back? <laughs> Have we revitalized bacon? Yeah. Bacon is the new black. Misfits bacon. We can make that happen. Mike, you asked what homage covers we pick up. It's the bacon covers <laughs> yeah. for sure. Bacon. <laughs> Is that your dancing? Yeah, that was my mama. <laughs> I can't believe Vargas guessed what that was. You bacon. just said bacon. We're kindred spirits, man. We're connected. Yeah. You guys are really tuned into each. I never would have guessed that. <laughs> oh man. Oh lord. Was it good, Vargas? It was. It was okay. good. It's uh, it's a cop book, kind of first and foremost. You know what it reminded me of? Hell was, yeah. Love a good was, cop book. All cop books are not bad, but uh, <laughs> it reminded me of Mythic. Did you guys ever read that? I think it was a Cy Spurrier book. I, I haven't gotten around to that one yet. What is it called? Mythic. Mythic. It came, I mean, this yeah. came out probably 10 years ago now 15 years ago now but phil hester phil hester thank you right? yeah um but that was like kind of the same thing like military investigating yeah. like monsters or something yep. it kind of this kind of had that same vibe where it was it, this is just cops and witches so 
it was the classic Tom and Jerry of our time. <laughs> That's right, the cops butter, and witches. Peanut butter and, and they've been fighting since the beginning. And they go together like peanut butter and bacon, <laughs> like like peanut butter and Eye of Newt. Uh, I also read Duke, which is the mm. the next in the Energon universe. Uh, it's Josh Williamson. Um, and this book fucking ruled. Uh, yeah. I know that everybody in the Discord is already, you know, agreeing with me here, but um, I think I told you guys like the elevator pitch for the book is that Duke is like a PTSD victim, basically, where he like is is in a jet with his buddy, and they run across Starscream mm-hmm. and have to eject, and Starscream like claps his buddy in midair uh and then flies away so his buddy's dead and duke lands and everybody's like you did not see a jet turn into a robot and kill your friend you're crazy uh and he's like i know what i saw (laughs) so it turns into the fourth kind pretty quick yeah and he he like goes to like conspiracy theorist meetings to try and like figure out the truth and then ends up meeting up with somebody who's like, yeah, I know that Transformers are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then starts tracking down like their origins and then runs across uh, Cobra Commander. So, ooh, it's, it's in, more, in the same support group for com- yeah, conspiracy well, theories. No, they go to hey, like, brother. It gets easier. <laughs> A plant from <laughs> <laughs> I have PTSD. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Cobra plants everywhere. When Fourth of July comes around, I always have to go in my basement and put on my headphones. How are they always finding us? Uh, yes, I think all of that. A lot of like one of the more elegant ways to do war hero type stories now is the PTSD support group type of angle. Hmm. Like a lot of people kind of have, I I know that's like a huge genre, like war comics, especially for like old heads and comics, but it's like, how do you do those stories now without just like glorifying gun violence the way that those comics kind of used to, and it th- that stuff just does, hasn't necessarily like aged that well, or like doing the vigilante justice thing, or this guy is a hero and his weapon is a gun. Um, I think punish the Punisher TV show doing mm-hmm. like their whole thing that was like a commentary on PS PTSD was like maybe one of the only ways you could have successfully <laughs> done that show in like a modern yeah. era. Um, with that and stay like semi true to the characters, like history and background, like so tough to navigate. And then again, you're bringing some like, um, cartoon era wartime hero into a modern age, more seriously told comic book. It's like, how does that translate in a way that's not like, so over the top cartoony or corny, but also takes 
death by gun much more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we're going to see a lot more PTSD stuff with books like this in the in the future. Yeah, yeah it's, just a, it's, a, it's a nuanced take. It's a lot easier to do and, and, and sensitive and real because now it's that's what it is, is like people just realistically have a lot of trauma from war. Yeah, <laughs> you I know, mean, that's like uh, so many of the, the more modern comics we're reading are the more like personal take or the personal side of things as opposed to these big like, oh, another like monster sized alien is coming to destroy the world and we saved the day it's like the personal stories are what what make these things interesting to audiences in the 20s yeah Um, and this isn't like duke is not a ptsd story by any stretch of the imagination uh but to your point mike it is yeah i haven't read it yet so i can't speak to that but it, it is the story of like a dude trying to seek closure right which is Mm -hmm. obviously a a more personal story than what you would expect what i would expect from a gi joe comic book yeah so yeah it was very good i mean it's josh williamson so yeah you know he's gonna hit a home run and um i'm very intrigued to see how this like energon universe thing uh kicks off it was so good it made me want to buy cobra commander that that book that's coming out so do you know who's writing that one i'll look it up williamson oh he's also writing that one okay Mm -hmm. yep yep he's such a good writer i (laughs) are you guys reading dark ride oh the image book yeah Mm -hmm. it's great i'm loving it are you at mcdonald's what? Huh? Are you at McDonald's? Da, 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 da. He's loving it. There you go. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> Excellent joke, me. <laughs> Made me look like one of the fry guys over here. Oh, boy. There's apple pie on my face. <laughs> what a grimace. <laughs> uh, cool jokes, fellas. I'll blast through these last two real quick. I read Skaters <laughs> out on Mad Cave. <laughs> oh, uh, Skeeters. I thought I heard Skaters. It's Skeeters? It's Skeeters. Like, like Mosquitoes. Like Mosquitoes. Uh, it is about mutated mosquitoes escaping a lab and terrorizing a town. Publisher, please. Perfect. Mad Cave. Mad Cave, okay. Yeah. Full stop. That's all you need. Pretty much. Um, it was pretty fun. I guess. And then I read uh, Pine and Merrimack, which is from uh, uh, our good friend of the show, Kyle Starks, out on Boom. Um, It is truly a detective story about a husband and wife, uh, kind of good cop, bad cop. She's the detective and he's the muscle. And they're trying to solve a murder in their town. Um, Pretty straightforward. Some buzz around this comic, though. Really? Yeah, I've I've seen a couple places where it was like a limit one per order. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it it definitely it was filled with bees. That's why there's so much buzz. <laughs> it definitely read like like a TV show. I like I would expect this as the pilot of of a show. Uh, yeah. 
it was pretty quick though like you know being limited to like 28 pages or whatever it was it it moved super fast and the character development is uh more tell and not show but you kind of have to do that yeah uh, but it was good it's a it's a cool story kyle starks is a excellent storyteller so i'm sure that this will continue to be equally good yeah hell yeah and that's what i read dope uh i read ultimate spider-man by emergency contact of the show jonathan hickman and marco Cicchetto. I, I mean i don't know what you want me to say <laughs> it's like was it ultimate it is ultimate it is spider-man we are back in the ultimate universe with uh, what's happened in ultimate fallout by jonathan hickman um this follows a Peter Parker who has not been bitten by the radioactive spider. Um, do you want to go? Do you want to go full spoiler for you guys? Yeah, yeah, I don't care. All right, we're gonna go full spoiler. So the reason, Mike, you made that face that he hasn't been bitten by the radioactive spider yet. The maker had gone through that universe, and with oh. each superhero, had stopped there, like trigger point to turn into a superhero. I forgot about that angle of the what, ultimate invasion. That, yeah, that happened in ultimate invasion and ultimate universe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so we now have a Peter Parker who is married to MJ, has two kids, works at the uh, Daily Bugle. No. Yeah, the, the, the Bugle. And the co-editor of the bugle is uncle ben uncle ben oh what I uncle ben uncle right. ben is alive because he didn't take peter to that one uh appointment and uh, didn't get shot by the the criminal uncle sit ben with it sit with it had an entire what was uncle ben's job when he died or he was retired, right? Yeah. He was taking Peter somewhere. Wasn't it? Uncle, Uncle Ben died because Peter didn't stop the guy. Yeah. That like did a robbery because no, he was pissed what off I, about what I'm saying is how did this old guy who was once retired mm -hmm. become interested in editing a newspaper? You know what? Great question. Never explained. Have we had this conversation before? What's Jonathan Uncle Hickman, Ben's job? Jonathan Hickman, come on the show and explain to us <laughs> Uncle Ben's career path. He was a paper boy for 77 years. <laughs> uh, I don't know what Uncle Ben's job is. It doesn't matter. He is co-editor or co-owner of this newspaper. Uh, there is some very strong sexual energy between J. Jonah Jameson and Peter Parker. It's it's not implicit, but I, for what I was reading, I was like, them boys is going to kiss. Like, they uh, they are really hanging on to each other's sentences on this on this book. Um, but it it also follows uh, the end. So the end of, of Ultimate Invasion or Ultimate Fallout or whatever. Uh, the maker and like Tony Stark 
but his son like caused a, a huge explosion killing thousands of people in New York. Aunt May was a part of that. So Aunt May now is deceased in this ultimate universe and Uncle Ben is alive. So there's no great power with great responsibility yet. But at the end of the book, the like uh, the hologram of Tony Stark gives Peter the a capsule, and inside the capsule is the radioactive spider that was supposed to have bitten him. So now so, he must make the ultimate decision. How old is Peter in this book? He's like uh, my age. He's like in his thirties. Fucking old, yeah. Okay. Which I think is the other hook of this book of like, what is a aged Spider-Man going to have to go through to be a superhero? Right. Because he's just. Where as a, as a, Sorry, as a one, more, one more time, where is the spider and has he been bitten by the time the first issue ends? Um, Like, I think the last panel is supposed to. Uh, indicate that he does release the spider and have it bite him so that he will become Spider-Man. He finds out that he was supposed to have been bitten in a past life? In the universe, yeah, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like a hologram of Tony Stark gives him the capsule from the maker's like warehouse explaining what's going on and he's just like, listen, here's the spider that's supposed to bite you. I missed that part. Okay, sorry. And then that's how the book ends, essentially. I was reading about Uncle Ben's job. Oh, what is it? Is it bacon maker? (laughs) Baconist? Uh, Okay, so apparently Uncle Ben was a military cop. That must have been said sometime during one of the Spider-Man books at some point. Okay. Um, So they said he would have... they probably would have bought that house in Queens, you know, at a time when houses in Queens were really cheap. And then they would have inherited all the money when uh, Peter's parents died. And that's why they can afford to live in New York, especially after Uncle Ben had died and Peter didn't have a job. Plus, do you know how it, Peter's parents died? That Do I know they, how Peter's parents died? Plane yeah. crash, right? Didn't it oh, get? He's he's off screen get, now. Like retconned at some point that they were like shield agents. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And he's got a sister who is like still an active shield agent. Yeah. Oh. Whoa. It's okay. Really weird. Anyway, it's. I already had uh, some reservations about the new Ultimate Universe coming back into play. When it happened the first time, I was not a big fan of it because I had to buy double the books, it seemed like. Yeah. And so I'm not really for that. And now with Marvel embracing the $4.99 price tag for their single issues, it is even leaving more of a bad taste in my mouth that like (laughs) this is just all some kind of rigged game that we're playing that we had to spend our entire paycheck to get Marvel comics. Yeah. I will not be buying ultimate universe comics. I'm getting like first issues just to like have them and 
mm-hmm. be able to have these sort of conversations that we're having. I just I haven't gotten the issue in the mail yet, but yeah. Um, well, I, I doubt I continue to buy any of them beyond first issues. Apparently, we're the only ones that aren't going to buy it because this thing has been flying off the shelves, and I think it's nostalgia from the young readers who, you know, grew up with Ultimate Spider-Man. Who are just like, oh, great, like my Spider-Man's back. Um, I'll be curious to see what that generation thinks of this new iteration of the Spider-Man. That's that's right. Peter Parker and the Ultimate Spider in in the original Ultimate Spider-Man died at some point, right? Mm -hmm. And And that's how we got Miles. Yep. Yep. I forgot about that. So it was it was beautiful artwork, obviously. Um, So in this world, Miles has never become Spider-Man either uh he's not mentioned yet that's and interesting. S- yeah it's i i do like the like uh dice roll of like what else is different in this world because if if no one has powers yet and peter's now just getting his powers it means he hasn't you know formed a rogue gallery he hasn't really pissed off anyone we don't know if the symbiote is even on this ultimate universe yeah so uh, I do think it's an interesting playground for Jonathan Hickman to be like the ultimate what if and like just the ultimate um, reboot of a series. So that huh. is intriguing to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Like I said before, I'm not fully invested in the ultimate universe, but I know it has its fan base and hopefully they're eaten right now uh next and finally i read zorro man of the dead by sean gordon murphy and the color was by simon gow um i really enjoyed this book more than i thought i was going to enjoy it um so in this book zorro is a real person uh he lived hundreds of years ago he's now become like an urban legend, like a, a, a tall tale. Uh, the, the cities in Mexico kind of like celebrate like a Zorro day kind of thing of like telling stories about him and how he was a man of the people and how he saved many people from countless like uh, villains and thugs and whatever. And we're now essentially in like present day time where um, this brother and sister um, in a flashback are like attending this Zorro day and they see their family get killed. So they're automatically uh, traumatized. And, you know, then we get a flash forward of them living in the same city. The cartel has basically taken over the city. The sister is now like a driver for the gang just to like, because like everyone in the city has to basically have a job for the cartel to like be, uh, safe or whatever and not bothered. Meanwhile, the brother has been like taken to this convent uh, to learn sword fighting for, for some reason. <laughs> and um, yeah, he, he essentially becomes like the new Zorro. Um, and where this book is really going to thrive is just the fight sequences. Uh, it's going to be really cool just to see the um, 
juxtaposition between classic sword fighting and uh, like fencing moves played off of her gunplay and driving like a Hellcat SR, <laughs> like SRT. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to see that dynamic because I don't think we've had that really yet in a Zoro story. Zoro's been mostly set in its appropriate time period of like where a man could ride a horse and have a sword and not be bothered. But now it's like we have such more um, advancements from there that like, how will this Zoro character be able to make a difference uh, in, in this small town? Yeah. I was stoked about this book when I read that it was like modern age Zoro. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's very fun. The artwork is great as normal uh, or as usual. The, uh, you know, uh, the storytelling takes some leaps, which is fine. I'm not really, you know, too upset about that. It reminds me of like when, um, Shankin took over the shadow, like they kind of modernized the shadow. And like, I love the kind of like noir, like just, uh, solving crimes and like really, uh, having pure justice and, and comeuppance in, in stories. And I feel like, um, you know, uh, Sean Murphy is going to do the same thing with this Zorro character. Yeah. Mike, do you Questions? have any thoughts on Zorro? <laughs> uh, existing IP is a poison upon comics and, um, <laughs> People as talented as Sean Gordon Murphy should be writing more um, original stuff instead of these uh, okay. stupid rehashings of uh, existing things that have been well. It's, well it's on his imprint. It's on Massive. Yeah, I don't care what okay. publisher it's on. Hey, no, you're good, man. That doesn't this may, this still, may have been a passion still... project for him, but that's fine. We'll just let you. Maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he loves Zorro. I just, I, and, and I think maybe there's a world wherein, like, more people buy these books because it's a property they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. But I'm also kind of like, who are these people who, like, are fucking like, yes, finally, modern Zorro. I guess you. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, but cool. I'm just like, I I would rather something like Rick Remender's Low. Yeah. That is like, Hey, here's a new it story is and universe that Sean Gordon yeah. Murphy is creating. Like, I like like plot holes was like, yeah, more exciting to me. Even though, again, plot holes is kind of a thing that takes like archetypes and puts them into. So you feel like it's something you've kind of read before. You're familiar yeah. with all the characters, but I don't know. I will say this book is very much like when you're having a lazy day at home. And you're flipping channels and you come across TBS and like Shawshank Redemption is playing. You're just like, oh, this is like comfy and comfortable. And I'll just sit yeah. here and, and watch the rest of this. It's familiar. It's not going to yeah. ruffle any feathers. Yep. I I guess we all need stuff that and I, I identify great well with TV shows that I can watch and vegetate. And, and we need that in our. Uh, and all kinds of different mediums for all kinds of different people to have your like vegetate sort of stuff. Okay. But 
I I feel like for as much as people complain about sequels being all that Hollywood is anymore and that there we're just constantly rehashing and remaking old movies and old ideas and that's kind of like ruining the entertainment industry. I don't think you can um complain about that and also be buying Zorro and Transformers and Stranger Things and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. You know what I mean? To me to me that's the same thing as like all these like constantly remade yeah, movies. Sure. You can't complain yeah. about nostalgia and then also uh participate in it. Yeah, it's just not what I'm it's just not what I'm into. Like okay. I just see Zorro on the front of a book and I'm like, I don't care. It could be a great story. I don't care. It's Zorro. Okay. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> in the in the other in the other issues. I'll keep you updated. We'll have a Zorro update on the show. <laughs> And the funny thing, here's the funny thing maybe about that, or maybe, maybe this is a point to be had back at me to, to make me eat my own words. Uh, I'm about to talk about a Batman comic I just read and Batman's been done and done and done a million times. But I think the fact that it's lives within comics and started within comics and is not like an external IP thing that's being mm-hmm. brought into comics, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel the same to me. Zorro didn't start as a comic. I don't I know. Maybe it did. I thought I thought it was novellas. Yeah, maybe. I think it started out as like Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff started. Oh, out okay, as, like you know, dime novels. No, right on. Okay, Mike D, I hear your point completely, and you are you know, more than validated to have those points. Uh, all I wanted to let you know is I had a good time reading it. <laughs> when you sent us the picture of Zoro oh, riding a okay. motorcycle, I was just like, nope. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So this does not happen in the comic at all. Just really? so everyone's, yes, it does not happen that's in the funny. comic at all. Yeah, that's it a variant is, cover, right? I Yes, I just thought it was kind of fun. <laughs> Just Zorro riding a dirt bike. Like, yeah, I want to see that. I feel like that picture in particular framed my early attitude towards this comic book. <laughs> yeah, it's very I, like it really struck a chord. Fonzie jumping over the shark, <laughs> but with Zorro in a comic. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like evil Knievel Zorro. And I was like, no, I don't have time or money for this in my life. I'll tell you what, and you're going to be mad at me. I would read this comic. <laughs> I'd give it two issues to see what the hell's going on. That's for sure. <laughs> the Z in the street lights instead of something he's like cut. Just he like the burn, modern version. He burns rubber on the yeah, it's, it's the a, shape of a Z. It's a skid, like a tire burnout. My, if you're not watching the video, my eyes did roll in the yeah. back of my head. It's a Snapchat filter he puts on people. <laughs> the Z is a snap. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh no, I got Z'd on. Snapchat. I got Z'd. Fuck. My clout. <laughs> Everybody's going to cancel me. <laughs> oh, God damn it. 
That's all I read. Oh, man. Mike D, what uh, about you? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about Batman Offworld. I don't know if it, did anybody so cover I'm this tired already? of these rehashed characters. <laughs> did you talk just about cut. it on, the, on an episode already, Andy? No. No, I read it. But I yeah, so uh, I think it was kind of big news that Jason Aaron was writing a DC comic. And I don't know if he has before, and it's just like been a long time, but he's been a Marvel guy for so, so long mm-hmm. with an occasional indie every once in a while. He did Southern Bastards and Men of Wrath yep. and was scalped. And then uh, I can't think of many other ones. Love Scalp at the end of the world or something? Once upon a time at the end of the world. Once upon a time at the end of the world. Oh yeah, that's right. He's got that's still going, isn't it? Or maybe it just ended. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still going. going. Um, yeah, people are loving that book. In any case, this was a thing where it was just like DC was like Jason Aaron, we got him. He's coming, and they're putting he's ads back <laughs> in the middle of the comics with his name really big because it's it is a big to do. He's been he's been one of the. Um, best-selling comic book writers of the past decade. Um, and his first thing is a Batman thing. I think you probably ask a guy like Jason Aaron when he's, if you're going to get him to come over, it's like, you can write whatever you want. And people are going to say Batman if they're coming to DC, right? It's either that mm-hmm. or Superman. I think most modern creators are gravitating towards Batman nowadays. Um, and it, what are you going to do with Batman? Are you going to do something different and, and interesting? Um, and I think, I think he did that. The the book is titled what it is. It's Batman off world. And the first issue you're trying to figure out kind of like, how did he get thrown into this alien world? And by the end of the issue, you're given the reasoning, which is more or less that he met a foe that he could not figure out how to beat that was not only a threat to Gotham, but a threat to the rest of the world. And he's put it upon himself to figure out how to best this person because nobody can be, can outsmart or out tough Bruce Wayne. So he sent himself in outer space, purposefully got captured by some space pirates who are led by this particular alien species. Um, so, Bruce can figure out and concoct a way to best these creatures. So he, when he comes back to earth, he has a solution for it. Like he has a solution for everything. So kind of that, like Batman being the most prepared, uh, hero of all time. I feel like that's like, there's a version of Batman that people like that is kind of like the shark repellent Batman, who is just like prepared for any and all situations, but we don't always see how he prepared himself for these absurd situations. And Jason Aaron is telling one of those stories of, of how exactly he prepared himself for one of these things, which I think is fun. I think it's kind of like, it seems like a cop out sometimes when you're reading a Batman book and it's like, Oh uh, yeah, Bruce Wayne's prepared for that because he did this, that and the other. And he's telling us how he figured it out in the past but you don't get to see any of it. It's not interesting because it wasn't explained ahead of time. Now we're seeing that stuff explained before the comeuppance. So uh, I really dug the book. I think it's really interesting. He's on like a prison colony and how he's going to work his way out of it and how he's going to figure out uh, how to best these like 
superhuman doomsday level powerful characters uh, is going to be is going to be interesting. Sweet. And that's my review of Batman Offworld by Jason Aaron. Welcome to DC, Jason Aaron. Glad to have you um, writing something over there, even though I'm a big Marvel head. Uh, fun and fresh to have his voice on a DC comic. And it's only a matter of time until he becomes a hack. <laughs> like any good Batman writer. Like any good Batman writer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'm interested if they try to tap him to write like an ongoing or some like huge arc. Um, part of me is like, after you've done something like his Thor run and his Avengers run, are you kind of in a phase of your career where you're like, I'm writing prestige minis from now on and I'll do really interesting passion product projects and things I want to do. Cause any publisher will green light anything for me. Kind of like how like Tom King just has carte blanche to like write whatever he writes, wants to write in whatever issue count he wants to write it in. Um, I could see Jason Aaron doing that moving forward instead of being like, Hey, want to take Superman for an, an 80 issue run and like do your Jason Aaron take on it. Like he's just, he's just had so many long runs at this point and big events over at Marvel that he's constructed ever since original sin. Like he's been, he's done a couple big, big Marvel events. So I, I could see him maybe just being exhausted by doing these long ongoings. But who knows? Yeah, it'd be nice to see just you know, once a year, Jason Aaron puts out a six issue black label book. Uh, and then maybe in five years or so, he'll pull a Tom <laughs> King and, and go on another ongoing. Yeah, if I could ask him one question, it would be what's his appetite for doing a big event ever again or, or a huge story arc for a massive character? Let's well, we can ask him to plan it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we get those press passes, baby. <laughs> Miller time. <laughs> yeah, I'll go up to him. Hey, Beb. Yeah. Hey, babe. Got a question, Beb. <laughs> What's the deal with this Rajal Ghoul guy coming up with this pit of goo that'll make you younger? I don't know, babe. Sounds a little suspect to me. I think that's the episode. We started it on Miller time and we're ended it on Miller time. La-ti-da. Hey, the the outro of the show is going to say it all. We're on Patreon where we edit and produce it. Just listen to the end of the thing. Support us if you'd like. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, if you get a kick out of us, there's there's more stuff on our Patreon. And be sure to check out Boulevard Beer Space Camper. It'll send you to the moon. Ooh, cool new cans. <laughs> I'm showing it on the video. Bye. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Licktig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club.